Hello, this is Keith James, writer and host of Gus Bibluitz, Basketball Legend. If you like this show, you will love my new book, Greg Maxwell's Inferno, coming out August 10th, 2021, through Humorous Books in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Follow me or Humorous Books on Instagram or Twitter to get more updates on the book. I'll also be putting up Chapter 1 on this feed, so keep your eyes peeled, my little bad boys. And as always, like, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends. Hello, and welcome to the Gus Bibliowitz Basketball Legend audio series. I'm Keith James. Uh, I wrote the damn thing. I am the voice Gus Bibliowitz. Uh, I'm also your host. You know, I do a little bit at the beginning. I do a little bit at the end. All right. Basically, I'm here to tell you that if you like this or if you liked other episodes, please like, subscribe, leave a five-star review on wherever you listen to it. Um, gosh, without further ado, let's just get into it, because this is going to be a little bit of a longer episode. Um, yeah, Gus Bibliowitz, episode eight. An NBA locker room before a big game is always quiet. The only thing that can be heard is the Dane Cook stand-up special I'm playing on my portable DVD player. I look at my son, walking to each locker, putting his hands on the player's shoulders and getting them mentally prepared for the game. His jersey looks like it was painted on him. My jersey looks like it was painted on me too, but in a mean-spirited way. Still, it fits better than it did 24 hours ago. I have Sharon, my personal trainer, to thank for that. She told me that when she was on The Bachelor, she made it to the fantasy suites, but didn't have sex? I asked her if that's why she got voted off. She said no, but I think she's wrong. In the right corner of my son's jersey is a yellow C for captain. One fucking day and he is the captain. I tried coloring a C on my jersey, but everyone took my pens away because they knew what I was trying to do. Corey eventually makes it to my locker. Don't put your hands on me, I say. I've played in so many NBA games, millions probably. You have played none. You played in Israel against people on birthright. He puts his hands on the outer edges of my locker. Do you know your assignments today? What? Did we all get math homework? Fuck you. What the fuck is an assignment? What you're supposed to do in the game, Dad. Do you know what you're supposed to do? At this point, I go into a very unfortunate impression of a mentally disabled person. I can tell it's in bad taste in the moment I do it, 
but I'm so angry I can't stop. After six minutes, I wind down the impression. I play basketball. That's what I do. I've been doing it for a long time. But you'll be doing it differently now. You're getting rebounds, you're setting picks, and you're protecting the rim. I stand up to go face-to-face with my son. A voice stops me from delivering a brain-damaging headbutt. Gus, Corey, stop. Mello wheels towards us. Corey, you don't give out assignments. I do. Fuck yeah. Gus, he's right. Game doesn't flow through you. Help people get open. Play defense. Hustle. I sit down. They're not going to be good picks. I'll say that. And if I'm supposed to set a pick for Corey, I'm going to tell his defender that I'm coming so he knows. That way, the pick won't work. And if I have to pass it to him, I will purposely throw the ball too high. Then I'll make a face like, we should have someone a little bit taller and more athletic out there. Most of the time, I'm like a Mr. Big. Classy, handsome, and doesn't show up when you need him most. But when I'm backed into the corner, I become a real Samantha. Oh, and Gus, Mello says, looking at his notebook. Take that necklace off. I don't need anything slowing you down. I look down at Ken Caminetti's heart. It beats fast on my neck. I put my hands on the chain and I pull it off my head. Could be the rush of the upcoming game, but I feel a little less vengeful. I put Caminetti's heart next to my portable DVD player. While everyone leaves for the tunnel, I press play on the DVD player. I feel like Ken Caminetti would have liked Dane Cook. The heartbeat slows down, so I think I'm right. We make our way through the tunnel to the court for warm-ups. I look over at the ref's table to see what's on the menu for discipline. Oh, God. It's the ref with the leukemia wife again. He looks at me and clutches a necklace locket that I can only assume is a picture from he and his dead wife's wedding. I'm toast. I walk back to the locker room. I'm never going to get a fair shake. Corey stops me. Where are you going? Fuck this stupid game. I'm going to UltraZone so I can brown out with some high schoolers. Corey looks towards the ref. He looks at me. Then he gets down on one knee. Play one quarter. If you don't like it, you can go play laser tag. Just give me one quarter, Dad. The stadium is empty except for the two teams, the ref and Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon just watched my son get on his knee and patronize his father into playing a basketball game. I wish it was halftime so the guy with the gun could shoot me in the goddamn throat. The sound of Rudy Poop's squishy footsteps breaks my concentration. He is soaking wet with large cuts on his face. I quickly nod at my son. I'll play. Shitty ref or not. It's been a crazy 24 hours. I almost forgot that after we took away Rudy Poop's coaching position and gave it to Carmelo Anthony, I tried to give Rudy a classy Viking funeral. I thought it would be easy. 
There are so many boats in San Diego, I figured I could just grab one and go. But no, people own these boats and are sometimes on them. And the ones they are not on are hard to work. I don't have time to think about winds and sails and all that shit. I gave up. I took Rudy down to Coronado Island and I rented a boogie board. I had him sit on it, I pushed it out to the ocean, and I started firing arrows at him. I'm a bad shot, so I kind of followed him out into the water so I could shoot closer. If I didn't hit him with an arrow, then it's not a Viking funeral. I wanted to keep my distance because he would not stop screaming. He screamed the whole day. Why are you trying to kill me? Let me go. I didn't do anything wrong. I tried to explain. It's not about being wrong. It's about being dead. You're not the coach, so you're dead. I don't know. I haven't been sleeping much lately. But I guess he's back now. What do you want, poop? Well, I, I came for my shirts and toiletries and, and maybe to see if I could have a little job for the rest of the season. It, it doesn't have to be big or anything. Just something that helps me buy Christmas presents for my wife. Oh, I almost black out from all the demeaning shit I can make him do. Corey jumps in before I can kill. You can be my dad's personal assistant. You get him wherever he needs to be. He is your responsibility now. Oh, man. He smells like hot blue cheese and cries all the time. I have watched you shit yourself six times in less than a day. This will build character for the two of you. Enough of this. Get out on the court and warm up. Actually, Rudy Poop stops us both. Gus... You know it's that day. It's Thunder Thursday. No. That's bullshit. That's a fucking lie. Last Thursday was Thunder Thursday. Last Thursday was Thunder Thursday, but you did not show up, so now this week is Thunder Thursday. Rudy has a matter-of-fact look that warrants being smacked, so I smacked the shit out of him. Corey, who's beginning to understand the dynamic, says nothing. What is Thunder Thursday? Corey asks. Thunder Thursday is some dumb shit that everyone should just forget. No one is going to actually check if I do it. Yes, they will, Gus. Last time you didn't do Thunder Thursday, someone threw a brick through my window. Okay. Lot to explain here. One... I threw the brick through Rudy Poop's window. I said it was the guys from Imagine Dragons who threw the brick, but I threw the brick. I threw the brick because I got a letter from Imagine Dragons lawyers that made me upset. I got the letter from Imagine Dragons lawyers because I did not do Thunder Thursday. So, in a way, yes, the last time I didn't do Thunder Thursday, someone threw a brick through Rudy Poop's window. Most basketball players get a shoe deal, a clothing deal, a car deal, and, and maybe a beverage deal. I already had a shoe and clothing situation figured out from my sweatshop. I didn't need a car deal because I have bird scooters. I didn't want a beverage commercial because I don't want to be limited to one type of alcohol. I decided that I would get a band deal. 
No one was sponsored by a band, so home run, right? No. Not according to my meatbag mobbed-up lawyers. They said it was dumb. They asked what band. I said it's the perfect band. They said, Gus, tell us the band. I said, Imagine Dragons. They said, Hard Pass. So I said, Fine, I'll negotiate the deal myself. This is one of those rare times I will say I made a mistake. I basically said I would get a percentage of their royalties if I promoted their stuff. Not bad. I, at the time, thought this band was going to fucking kill for years to come. So I get to be on the ground floor of the next greatest rap rock Mormon friendly band? Sure, I'll do a little promotion. But I didn't specify how. Hence, Thunder Thursday. Where? One Thursday a month, I am to lead a choreographed dance of their song, Thunder, until tip-off. That means I am dancing to one song for roughly 45 minutes, long after my team has warmed up, gone back in the locker room, and is preparing to play an NBA game. Sometimes Thunder Thursday happens when we're on the road. Before I stopped playing road games, I would have to do Thunder Thursday on the road. So fans, with very little context of what the fuck was going on, watched me dance to the same song multiple times in a row. Can't change the song. Can't change the amount of time. Can't change the routine. Lifetime contract. Meaning, there will be a day where Imagine Dragons lawyers burst into my nursing home, pull me from my deathbed, and drag me to the nearest court to fulfill my contractual obligation. I try to find a very soft spot on Rudy's head to push through. And I can't. His skull is fully grown. I know I have to do Thunder Thursday. Whatever, I say to Corey. It's not like I need to warm up shooting or anything. The song starts to play. I was up tight like a quick dude. I work my way to the center court and get the first steps down. It's a lot of step and clap and my team is laughing at me like they always do. Nick Cannon is shaking his head. What has Nick Cannon done that is so great that he can look down at me? I guess in life it's the things you don't have to do that make you a success. By the time the chorus hits, my team has already gone back into the locker room. They don't even turn the lights off. It's just me in a normally lit, empty stadium dancing by myself. But if I don't do it, they'll know. I dance for 45 minutes. I fade in and out of consciousness. Every muscle below my waist is pulled. My feet blister. I watch fans trickle in and stare at this horrific sight. Some turn right around and leave to do something else with their time. Others point and laugh. When the music ends, I fall to the court. 
The lights finally turn off and they drag me to the bench where my team is getting ready for opening introductions. From the University of Washington, at point guard, Markel Fultz. Markel pops out of his chair and gets his high fives, reminding everyone to not slap his hands too hard. From Duke University, at shooting guard, Austin Rivers. Austin goes for secret handshakes with everyone in line, but no one has a secret handshake with Austin, so it's just one train wreck after another. From State University of New York at Purchase, small forward, Stephen Weber. Stephen does a heartbreaking monologue from a class action lawsuit commercial. I lean over to Carmelo and I tell them they're not aging Stephen Weber's character out gracefully from NCIS New Orleans. All Melo can do is shake his head. At center. Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I'm not even called out last anymore. From Brigham Young University. Gus Biblowitz. I stay on the bench and I wave. And at power forward. From Israel. Your captain. Corey Biblowitz. People cheer he gets good high fives from his teammates he goes to center court and pretends to tip his cap i'm the only one in this entire fucking building who is astounded by how much of an asshole my son is eventually the fanfare stops the lights come up and we are getting into our spots for the tip-off I'm lined up across from Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond is big and kind of fat, but not in a fun rock star way. He's fat like a nerd. He's not getting his gut from weekdays in Tijuana. He's getting his gut from book reading, STEM programs. He's a technical player. He knows all the rules. He knows the score. He's never on the wrong side of the court. I know I'm going to have to focus if I want to bust his ass. Well, apparently the tip already happened. The Pistons have the ball and they're up 8-2. I only found out the game started when I went up to Pistons player Reggie Jackson to say good game and I got called for a foul. Corey comes charging at me. Gus, get your head in the game now. I am not Gus. I am dad, you little shit. I shoulder shove him. The leukemia ref breaks us up. Reggie hits both of his free throws. Corey pushes me towards our basket. I want to be mad, but I appreciate the little push to get me going. I get there. I get to my spot. But Andre wants to make it hard by also wanting to stand behind me. If he stands behind me, he's between me and the basket. That makes it way harder. Markel brings the ball up court. My son is yelling at me to come set a pick for him. I am yelling at Markel to get me the ball in the paint. I don't have great position, but if I use all the seconds on the shot clock, I might be able to get a decent shot. So I keep screaming. Markel is looking between Corey and I on the verge of tears. The whistle blows. Offensive three seconds. Mello motions for a timeout. I walk towards the huddle. Everyone is looking at me. 
so I guess that makes me the leader now. I bring everyone closer in. Hey guys, I think this season was a lot of fun. Memories are, to quote Nelson Mandela, Shut the fuck up, Gus, Mello says. He is mad. At someone? Gus, you didn't do anything we told you to do. I'm going to throw your ass on the bench if you fuck up again. You hear me? Mello has locked me down with his eyes. The only time I've seen him this mad is when he couldn't get the 7-Eleven rewards app to work on his phone. I nod. Wow. Tough talk. I know that I will never get thrown on the bench because that would mean a negative change in my life, but still, crazy big threat. I get out on the court. I get next to Andre Drummond, who shakes his head. You smell terrible. Can you please take a shower at halftime? He says. It's just strategy, baby, I say, pretending my feelings weren't hurt. I get behind Drummond. He played defense on me. Now it's my time to play defense on him. Gus style. Gus style defense is modeled after mystical horror movies and the Ted Bundy killings. It's sexy, mysterious, and thrives off of blunt force trauma. The ball gets brought down by someone on the Pistons. They dump it to Drummond. He dribbles once, leans back on me, pivots, banks one off the backboard. In. But that's fine. You let him get his points at first. That's Gus style. But what he didn't see, what no one saw, was my forearm bouncing off the back of his head. Nothing crazy. Just boys playing basketball. But what happens if he gets hit in the same spot every play for the rest of the game? Gus style. Did you know that Ted Bundy became a Mormon? <laughs> We're on offense now. We're clearly running a play where I'm not allowed to go down low for a basket because if I try, Austin Rivers grabs my nipple and twists it. So I stop trying. I do the unthinkable. I stand next to Markel Fultz and allow Markel Fultz to run around my lifeless body. A pick. I am a cuck. If I had a female companion, she would be in her rights to contact Markel Fultz's people and arrange a sex session force me to watch. Markel sidesteps, steps back behind the three-point line, and puts up a three. He screams like he got his toe cut off, but the shot looks good. High arc, nothing but net. The whole team stops moving. We're like all the cool black guys in Ocean's Eleven, staring at the fountain at the Bellagio. We did it. A play. We ran a play. The other team gets the ball, scores, and we get hit with a five-second turnover because no one ran back to inbound the ball. But in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> turnovers like that just don't matter. We finish out the first half down by 15. We are making plays, but we can't stop hugging each other after they work. It's really great. As we're walking down the tunnel, Corey kicks a chair. He didn't get a lot of hugs because he was always running back on defense after we scored. He wants to be the leader of the team, but his priorities are all fucked up. Your teammate wants to give you a hug and you run away from him? Go fuck yourself. The party continues into the locker room. 
<laughs> Coach Mello is hoisted up over Steven Weber's head. The G League bench guys are being allowed to touch the water bottles reserved for the starters. Austin Rivers and I are using his phone web browser to get me back on freecams.com and restart my naked jerk off my penis career. Corey walks in and kicks another chair. Markel claps and laughs because he thinks Corey is celebrating. He waddles up to give Corey a hug, but sees his angry eyes and starts to cry. Corey, I know you want to come in and make a big leader speech about winning and playing a complete game. I'm not saying you can't make that speech, but it better be really good. Good being well-structured, genuine, and a mix of sound levels to keep interest. I say this because I want to back this little bastard into a corner. He pauses. He knows he's cornered. In Israel, I was on a team. But we did not play for playoffs or endorsement deals. We played for our lives. I buried my brothers and sisters who would have risen from the grave just so they could have fought alongside us again. I buried my wife. I start to hear some boos. Corey, head up his asshole, can't read the room. This is the NBA. We all have dead wives. If he thinks he's the only shattered man trying to pick up the pieces of an eternal romance ended all too soon, he should just stay in the locker room for the second half. <laughs> but I let the bloodshed stop. I lift my hands like the heroic blue guy in Game of Thrones. I walk towards Corey. If we play defense... Will you never talk about your dead wife again? <laughs> he lowers his head and nods. I touch the little C on his jersey. I grip my hands around it. His eyes widen. I squeeze the C. But I let go. You have a lot to learn, Captain, I say. Not really knowing what he has to learn or what true leadership is is but i walk out of the locker room and into the tunnel for the second half we start the second half in a huddle and i'm in the center of it all right boys we promised Corey we would play defense so he would stop bringing up triggering stories of love and loss let's keep our end of the bargain and pray he keeps his we break the huddle and head out to the court the game is well Awful. I mean, we claw our way back into it, but it's exhausting. What is nice is that Andre Drummond has a fully undiagnosed concussion. My head slaps are working. He is becoming easier to play defense because he is laying down most of the time. And when we all run back on defense, I notice that Corey gets remarkably better at guarding his man. Like, he's good. And his offense is fairly solid as well. Moves well. Doesn't keep the ball for too long. Finds the right pass. If he has to shoot, he shoots it well. I'm still a full-blown cuck, so I have the time to notice these things. He moves like his mother. Before she blew her brains out, she moved with grace. She used to 
parade around the house screaming about her existential dread. <laughs> I would sit on the couch and watch with awe my mopey water goddess. We get to the fourth quarter down by six. Andre Drummond fell towards the end of the half and has not gotten back up. Basketball is a game for warriors, not nerds. We're all beat on our end. The effects of playing both offense and defense are starting to hit and hit bad. Steven Weber is starting to show signs of not being an actual basketball player. The G League guys are starting to get into the game. Turns out, they all know how to play basketball pretty well. I found out from someone on the Pistons that most G League guys even played college ball. I thought most of them were from, like, orphanages or something. Sewers. Like local sewers. Like each, each NBA team has a local sewer they pull G League people from and feed them, I don't know, dirt or slime. But Mello is coaching one hell of a game. He's got us all taking good long twos and arguing for calls. But the closer we get to winning, the more he gets rattled. He will yell at us to stop running or stop playing defense. It's hard to unlearn those things, you know? That's who Mello is. We fight like hell to get the game to two. 24 seconds left. We can run down the clock, get an open two, or get fouled and tie the game up at the free throw line. Mello calls a timeout. We all stand in a circle and watch Mello stare at his whiteboard. The only thing that hits the board are his tears. He's got nothing. I pipe up. The guy who is guarding me hasn't gotten off the floor the entire quarter. If I can have the ball, I can tie the game. They'll be expecting that, Corey says. If they foul you, you won't get a call. I hate it, but he's right. Leukemia wife ref will do anything to ensure my unhappiness. Corey grabs the board and draws something up. It makes me sick, but I nod my head and break the huddle. Austin inbounds it to G-League guy number two. G-League guy dribble penetrates. I slide two feet short of a corner three. Corey runs baseline towards my direction. Markel is counting how many planks of wood are on the court. G-League guy number two kicks it out to me. I'm open for a corner two. Corey's guy leaves him to jump out at me. It takes everything not to rise up and take it over his fucking hand. Corey curls around me and I give him a handoff. He collects the ball behind the three-point line. He rises up, open, clean spin on the ball, perfect arc, swish, ball game. Nick Cannon cheers. I turn to look at my son. He has a smile. I can't see my own face, but I think I'm smiling too. Then, like the two big dogs we are, we hug. All right. Well, that was episode eight of Gus Biblowitz Basketball Legend. Um, not going to be an episode next week, uh, just with the holidays and everything like that. 
Um, but stay tuned. Uh, if you want to look for more, more work uh, from me, you can check out KeithJamesWrites.com. Um, I think there may be something coming out fairly soon. Uh, anyways, stay tuned. Uh, if you like this, again, five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful 4th of July. Bye.